What's up, crew? Welcome to Filming in Progress, the show that takes you backstage into the world of local businesses and the people who make them shine. Today, I'm excited to introduce Sean Freeman, a tech guru and entrepreneur whose early encounter with a computer at age 13 ignited a passion that led to the founding of TWT Group. We will explore Sean's entrepreneurial journey, the successful acquisition of his company, and his commitment to fostering both tech innovation and community growth through mentorship and philanthropy. Sean, thanks so much for coming, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it and excited to have this chat. Yeah, me too. Uh, so let's start. If you can give me a little bit of backstory on you know, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I'll, I'll start in 2011. Uh, that's when I started my first company. Um, I was actually working at an IT service or at, in IT at an oil and gas company. Um, and I was there for four or five years and I'd kind of cut my chops in, in, uh, in the IT space. And that was my first kind of job, real job out of school. And, um, and I grew with the company. We grew from 100 people to 1,600 people in, in a four and a half year period. Um, so it was learning lots. It was lots on the go. It was super fast. Um, and, and I kept getting, I was pretty young at the time. I was like 24 back in 2011. And I, I kept getting uh, passed up for promotions and I uh, kept raising my hand and saying, hey, I could probably do that. And, you know, a little bit of mentorship, I could definitely step up and uh, no problems, had the confidence and uh, just kept getting passed up. And I think, you know, because I was young, obviously they needed somebody with more experience maybe. Um, and so I saw that for what it was and I was just like, well, if I'm going to do it, I got to figure it out on my own. Um, so maybe I'll start my own business. You know, other people need IT. I'm great at that. I know, I know what it takes to build IT for, for a small company and a, and a big company. So take that skill set and find people that I can sell it to. And so I did that. I started a little side hustle while I still had my job and, and uh, built that out in my free time. Um, you know, I was really intentional not to let it disrupt my work. I, you know, at lunch, if I had to do something or after work, I would do the work. Um, but I really made sure uh, that that was the case. And um, it eventually got to the point it snowballed a bit. And it was like, hey, I got I to gotta leave. I can't do both, um, you know, with a good conscience anymore. So I made the jump and I, I said, you know, what's the worst that could happen? That was about in 2011. And, uh, and that was when... Um, you know, things were good, oil and gas was good. So I was like, well, I'll just get another job. If, if this doesn't work out, no problem. Um, good thing it worked out because 2012 was a big oil and gas crash. And, uh, uh, and that actually probably helped my business because people were looking to outsource it. And, and so that kind of continued to propel us and, and we did fairly well. So that's, uh, that kind of leads into my first business, how I got it off the ground. And uh, uh, from there, took it to pretty cool spot places and uh, eventually sold it in 2020 so right on was was it always the plan you know i've always i've always loved computers um you know that really stems from like my parents got divorced when i was about 13 and and my dad first thing i think he did was get me a computer um and and i was really i loved it i was really curious really passionate about computers and so i knew i was going to go into computers i wasn't a great student so High school, I actually did online because I was like, well, that's an easy way out, right? <laughs> um, so I did high school online, barely passed everything, did as little as possible to get by. Um, and then and then I got, I realized like computers are my passion. So I chased that and, um, you know, I, I looked at it, I said, okay, I got to get serious about this. And if I want to be considered like, you know, seriously, I need to go to school. And so I went to Mount Royal, 
took their computer information systems class. Um, and the first year that I took that, it uh, kind of opened my eyes. Um, to, it was like, well, yeah, this is what I need to do. Um, my first year, I got a 3.9 GPA in that course. And so I was like, I was nailing it. I was like loving it and, and just doing great. So then I actually decided to um, go back and do some high school courses so I could go to U of C, so I could get a real degree because this, at this time, Mount Royal wasn't a university. So I would have just ended up with a diploma and, and I was like, well, if I'm gonna, you know, if I'm really gonna do this, I better go to university. So I did that, you know, did the hard math because I really had really poor fundamentals and I figured it out and I worked my way through that. And, uh, and I went to, yeah, I went to my career counselor at Mount Royal and said, I wanna do the computer science program at UFC. And he's like, well, normally people do it the other way around. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine, <laughs> but this is what I wanna do. And I think I'm willing to put the work in. And so, uh, so yeah, they helped me along. I transferred a bunch of my credits to UFC and, and got in. Um, and yeah, that was, uh, got into university and, and then that was a whole fun time, uh, and great experience. And yeah, it was, it was a struggle, but it was, uh, it was a great one, so. Awesome. So 24, you joined the company that you worked for and then in 2011, correct? Yeah, I was I actually, I started my company in 2011. I'd been there for a few years. Okay. Um, I left there in 2012. Um, and so, yeah, I think I'd, I'd started there probably in 2008. Um, again, kind of right after the 2008 bubble, uh, the oil and gas um, downturn that we had then. I uh, start, kind of started there, stayed on until about 20, 2012, um, started my company like as a side hustle in 2011, yeah. So 25, you left to pursue your own. Career. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, and so like I had very little commitments, you know, I don't, didn't have family, didn't have a mortgage, those sorts of things, right? So um, that, that really helped obviously. Uh, and you know, that was kind of like, well, if I'm, if I'm gonna do it, it's now, cause I got no responsibilities and nobody's relying on me. So, um, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I'll find another job. <laughs> yeah. So. Did you always have entrepreneurial tendencies where, you know, as a kid growing up, did you kind of, were you driven that way or was it just based on, you know, the fact that your company was already doing well that made you? Yeah, I think um, like I always look back and one of the like silver linings of my parents getting divorced is that, you know, we weren't well off to begin with. Like my parents worked really hard and gave us everything that they could. Um, but we weren't wealthy by any means. Um, you know, we, we bought a house and, and that was amazing. And then uh, when my parents got divorced, uh, obviously, you know, money goes to lawyers and you just have less, right? So part of that uh, just created, it put me in the situation where if I wanted something, I had to work for it. Um, and I, I realized that. And so I had to find ways to make some money. And whether that was a paper route or going to do online homeschool in high school so I could work almost a full-time job while I did it. Uh, and barely do my high school. Uh, that's kind of that's where I leaned because I wanted to buy a car, right? So I bought my first car on a credit card and then paid it off as quick as I could, right? So, um, so I really uh, I, I I look at that and I'm like, that's a gift, right? I got a, I got that gift and um, yeah, just that work ethic and yeah, and just also like learning that if I want something, I can get it, right? I can make it happen. I can do the work to get it, right? Um, and uh, and then yeah like as I've grown older it's figuring out to focus on the right things that I want to get right like uh, memories and um, experiences with family and friends right so 
not often, but sometimes you see um, the case where you know somebody um, has to work really hard for something, and then they get what they you know what they're looking for. So potentially, in your case, that would be you know selling your business, um, and then you know they coast after that because they're mm. they're fine, they're good. But I know you to be doing a million other things that we'll get into later. Um, what what do you think keeps the, your motivation to continue doing um, you know different things and continue pushing? Yeah, I'm 38 now, and I think it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like you always have to have a purpose, right? You have to have a passion and something that you can be doing and that you feel good about doing and you know it's making a difference for other people, right? Um, and I try to find that in my work. I try to find that in my community involvement. I am on a few boards that are on nonprofits, and and so I find that like that's what keeps me going and finding new things to do because. If you don't have that, then like it's it's just going to be doom and gloom, and you're not going to really have a reason to wake up. And um, and I, I don't think I'm alone in needing that, right? I think that's sort of a human trait. Um, and and yeah, like to be able to say that you made a difference today in somebody's life or a business, or um, you know, you helped a colleague out, like that's huge, right? And so yeah, the more that I can do these days, the better I feel. Awesome. So with that purpose, do you find that you're often, um, you know, checking back to ensure that everything that you do kind of fulfills that? And also curious as to how is that changed over the years? You know? Yeah, I think as you go through your career, you realize like the more you help other people, it just comes back and you get what you want indirectly. Right. Like it's it's just a it's a cycle like you help others they help you. Sometimes it comes back even more. Um, you know, and sometimes not, but it's great. Like you help somebody. So it's, I find um, like one of the great quotes I love is like giving back and helping others is like the most selfish thing you can do, right? Because you get something you can't buy with that, right? You you have, you get to take, you get to take that feeling and that purpose and, and be like, and grow upon that, right? You get to build on that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you're mentioning the giving back. Um, uh, which is super interesting because that's how we met only, you know, six months ago or so. We, we were fortunate enough to film one of your events and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was for the Trellis Society, raising funds for the Trellis yeah. Society. Why, why is giving back important to you and how do you choose, you know, where to give your time and, uh, and money? Yeah, the Trellis Society is a super big passion of mine. Um, it used to be Boys and Girls Club and, and I only mentioned that because that's where I connected with it. I, was, I was, went to the Boys and Girls Clubs as a kid. Um, so I like to say they kept me out of trouble, <laughs> steered me in the right direction. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about it is cause like if we can catch kids in those like weird years where, yeah, maybe they're going through, their parents are going through a divorce or they, you know, they're getting picked on or they could be getting in trouble with the wrong people. Um, like catch them there and, and we can turn them into like amazing people. Right. So that's, that's why I really love to support Trellis and, and yeah, you guys, uh, supported my event, which I've done for six years now, and we raise money for Trellis every year um, for this during a stampede party. Um, and yeah, it's just it's so fulfilling to throw that and have people come out and support it and, and enjoy it, and and just like you know, we we take something, it's a really fun thing, and we make we give back and we create this cool thing for charity. Like we gave them thirty five grand this year, um, you know, and then. And it didn't, it took a bunch of effort from a lot of people and a lot of people giving back, but uh, I don't know, you just can't buy that feeling, right? If I was just to write a check for 35 grand, it wouldn't be the same. I'd much rather throw the party, right? Um, 
and uh, and you just get this like energy going right and you get more and more people that want to support them and so it just keeps reciprocating and and building on it uh, itself right so um, that's how i see that event kind of just growing and growing and and helping that great organization more and more amazing yeah and having experienced it yourself in your, in your young years i'm sure that it means that much more to be able to give back to it at this point and actually mm-hmm. know how far that's going for for some of those kids yeah for sure yeah all it takes is just you know the the one thing that keeps you out of trouble or the one mentor or somebody to look up to and that can change the course of someone's life right um and it's it's just like everything we do it's the little things right that's what matter and uh if you can if you can care about those and, and really work on them, then everything works, right? Yeah, you mentioned mentors there, and I, you know, I, I see obviously your thought leadership. You're doing a lot of you know, LinkedIn and and that sort of thing. Um, where what do you where are your efforts now? What are you doing now that kind of adheres to your purpose, really? Yeah, so I'm on a few boards. I'm on the Trellis Foundation board, um, obviously through the Stampede Party uh, as well. Um, so those are two really big things for me. Um, I'm on the board of A100, which is really promoting technology and and supporting tech startups in Alberta. Um, and so I think there's there's huge opportunity there, and it'll just make our province better. Um, and then uh, I'm on EO Entrepreneurs Organization board, another nonprofit. Um, just a great group of people, business owners that, you know, have helped me out and I, I can help them out. And it's just a really great peer group. So um, those are the kind of three things I'm doing to get back. And uh, yeah, work-wise, I am obviously took a bunch of time off uh, after I sold my business because you don't really get that chance too often to take time off there. Um, sabbaticals are hard to come by as an entrepreneur. Um, and, uh, and so we did some travel at the beginning of this year and, um, I'm really getting into digital transformation consulting for companies and, uh, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, just helping, helping businesses think about their companies differently and, you know, figure out what's the technology that's going to replace them or, or upset their industry. Right. Um, and so I get to use not only my tech brain, but now all my business skills and I get to mash those up and help people, um, implement things in their business to help. Um, and then I'm also uh, building out a coaching program for IT providers, so MSPs, managed service providers. Um, so that's what I did and I was successful at it and went to an exit. So I want to take that skill and help other people out and, and just really mentor them to uh, make their businesses better and, and, and also raise the bar for the industry. Like IT support and IT um, you know, pr- providers, there's no regulation. You can literally get a high school degree and pretend you're an IT person um, and so you don't really know what you get there there's nobody kind of checking it and everything that we do is like super important right because you know data and security is over the last five years has become a huge thing right so um, because there's lack of regulation and I think it'll eventually come uh, I think it's already starting to come in the US but in Canada it'll come here too um, I think there's just there's a lot of opportunity there to raise raise the raise the level of everybody up, um, even without regulation, right? Like let's let's get better services and you know let's train companies to you know here's why you should pay more for your technology provider because they can make your business much much better. They could help you compete in certain areas. They can make sure that you don't go out of business because somebody else disrupts you with their technology, right? So. Um, I think the value of uh, just 
the technology space in general um, when it comes to helping other businesses like operational technology uh, and helping them navigate like how do I use technology um, to make my business compete and be better and you know deal with all the constraints we have like not being able to hire as many people not being able to find good people um, you know technology can help in all those areas so yeah I really find a lot of passion around that too so yeah, it's it's interesting, um, you know, not unsimilar to our industry. Uh, everybody and their dog is a photographer or a videographer and that sort of thing. So I'm curious as to how, you know, your business um, with, with what you said is kind of similar. Uh, you, you know, you made yours stand out. Yeah, I think it's really, um, I think what our magic was is that we we showed our clients that we cared about that, their business and their technology and, and them as a person, right? At the end of the day, it's people using the technology. So if you if you can't align that, then they're not gonna really adopt it, right? And so then it's just gonna be wasted effort. Um, and I think, uh, you know, as a business, it doesn't really matter what business you're in. If you care about your customer on the other end of it and you care about their success as much as your own, you're gonna be successful because a lot of people, are just like, I want I want the transaction and I don't really care about the long-term value of the relationship. Um, and, and never mind just the business relationship, but like I have, like a lot of my past clients are friends. Like they've become friends and we, and they support my charity events and I, I hopefully support their things too. And it, it just becomes like, just more fulfilling in your life as well. Were these ideas foundational when you, you know, at 25, when you exited, or sorry, when you, at 24, when you started, were they, were those ideas already ingrained? You knew that you wanted to build a business, you know, on the foundation of relationships? Yeah, you know, I didn't really know it at the time. I think I figured it out over, you know, the, the nine year span of my company. We, we kind of got there eventually. Um, I, I can't, I can't claim to have that crystal ball, but I did know that I wanted to build a company that I wanted to work at. And so, you know, we were doing flexibility and remote work, like work wherever you want and unlimited vacation before like most people even heard of what it was. I'm just like, you know what, you're adults, I pay you well, you're great people, like do what you think you should do, right? Um, and, and I think that was really important to me is just build, build it somewhere I would wanna be. And then I would attract like-minded people and, you know, I've now come to realize that those are values and you're, you're just building a company based on values and, you'll attract people with the same values. Um, and one of them it was relationships too, right? So um, we value relationships, you know, if, if it was, if we could make another $500 or break a relationship, obviously we're gonna not make another 500 bucks. It's much more worthwhile to keep the relationship, right? Um, and so, so yeah, you know, we stumble upon these things, right? It's definitely figuring it out as we went, for sure. 25 is quite quite a young age to start, you know, st well, first of all, start a business or 24, start a business and then um, let alone, you know, be running teams and, and have, I'm, I, I'm sure you have experience kind of running teams that are median ages older, you know, whatever. How did how did you navigate that? Was that ever uh, a concern? Did you ever experience imposter syndrome, anything like that? Oh, for sure. I, and half of my staff, I think, were older than me, uh, even at the end of TWT, like in 2020. Um, and it was pretty cool because like, they respected me, um, you know, I listened to them. Uh, they had really good insights and I learned a lot from them, right? So 
it's uh, it's pretty cool. You get to hire people and then you get to learn from them. Like that <laughs> doesn't get much better, right? Um, you're not just like dictating, like here's how you should do it, right? Um, and so like being a young leader, I think I was sort of forced into doing that and, and listening and, uh, you know, dropping the ego. Otherwise it wouldn't have worked. Um, I think people would have just been like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing and obviously doesn't want to listen. So um, we've all seen those types of leaders for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, just being open-minded and, and again, like caring about your staff too, or caring about your people and and making sure they know that you do care about them, right? You care about their long-term well-being, not just, you know, like getting to the end of the year, right? Um, and uh, and yeah, that's super important. Um, you know, when I, even when I sold my company, I, I did it because I, I saw on the other side there was a ton of opportunity for them. Um, and some took advantage of it and some didn't, but, uh, but you know, I think it's, everybody has to run their own journey too. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Do you think your childhood played into the, the values that you have now and everything that you do? Cause it sounds like that you're, you're very foundational, you know? Yeah. I think, um, you know, just the fact that like I care about relationships so much and I don't know if that's my own values or just like part of being human. I think once once I realize like that is like key to who I am and and really things that I enjoy, it's everything's just easier if you have a relationship, right? Um, you know, I I don't sell on I'm the cheapest provider out there. I, you know, I I sell on like you know you hire me, you know you're what you're gonna get, you know you're gonna be good, right? Um, and and they can trust that, right? They trust they trust me. They they're buying me and they're hoping I lead a good team to get them the result they need. Um, and then like, we're not always perfect, right? So, you know, it's the, it's being able to have the relationship enough. So it's like, hey, that went wrong. We're gonna take care of it and we're gonna make it right, you know? And uh, to the point where clients like, if the next thing goes wrong, they're like, hey, you know, this thing went wrong and they weren't even worried. They weren't mad, right? Cause they already knew that we would make it right. You know, so I think that's like a super cool place to be. And, uh, you know, our team built up that reputation. Um, and even our team, like it empowered our team as well, knowing that that's what we were going to do if something happened, um, because then they could really stand behind what they were doing. They, they're delivering a service and they knew that we're never going to be perfect. But if something went wrong, we weren't going to, you know, lose a relationship over 500 bucks that we were going to, you know, have the, um, you know, just do what's right. That was another one of our values at TWT. Um, and a lot of people, they call it integrity or something. Right. And it's like, no, we just do what's right. Like, and everyone, like if you run into a problem with a client or a person, you always know what's right to do. Like it just in your gut, you just follow that and you're good to go. Right. Uh, and it usually works out pretty well. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, um, you're right. I think everybody knows, everybody knows what's the, always the right thing to do. You know, they know, they know what they should do, but I feel like often too, um, especially with people that aren't used to that culture might second guess, Oh, to what extent can I do that? Or anything mm -hmm. like that? How do you deal? How would you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, it's those tough ones where it's like, I know what to do and it's really expensive, right? Like that's the, where you run into the problem. But what I always did in those situations is I'm like, in five years, is this really going to matter? Like, hey, if this is going to cost me five grand and it's going to be the right thing to do and the client's going to be like blown away because we did it, 
in five years, that's not going to matter because they'll still be a client, right? Because they know we went above and beyond, right? And we did what was right. And so I think it's um, like a lot of the answers to the tough questions are the longer term vision of it. Like, what, what does this look like in five years if we go that way or that way? Um, and if you can really figure that out and, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to have perfect numbers or, you know, it's not going to be exact. Um, but if you can be like, it's more likely to go that way in five years, if we do the right thing and it's pretty much guaranteed to go that way, really downhill, if we don't do the right thing, um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to convince yourself. I think the problem I find with leaders of any age, really, it doesn't matter what age is they're they don't look, they don't take the time to think about what what's the long-term thing here they're like what's the quarter look like what's the year look like they don't look at what's three years what's five years what's 10 years look like right because decisions i made in you know in 2008 that were i did the right thing instead of the not right thing they're going to pay off for me in 10 years from now right it's that whole effect right and so it's the it's really that long-term game for me. Um, and I think if you're playing short-term business, it comes and finds you and it gets you. <laughs> it catches up, right? It's, uh, you can't hide from it. Um, and especially in like somewhere like Calgary, your reputation precedes you. And it's either a good thing or a bad thing, right? Um, and it either wins you business or doesn't, right? Um, and, and yeah, I think at the end of the day, I just want to be able to say that... I, I did what was right. Um, you know, it's what I love to do and it helped others. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, you were, you were talking about, uh, entrepreneurial groups for lack of better terms before. And we've talked about this. Um, I mean, you introduced me to Yogro actually, which is awesome. It's a program. It's amazing. Um, how do, were you always part of groups that are similar to that and, and how foundational were they in your journey? Yeah, so I started my business in 2011 as a side hustle and I joined EO in 2014. Um, so I got my business to like a million US in revenue. Um, and I was young still, right? So I was like, well, I'm, I'm young. I really have no idea what I'm doing. Lots of imposter syndrome. Probably have no right to be where, I'm, where I am right now. Um, and it was, I was like at that stage, like, okay, I've got two people hired how do I keep this together, right? Um, and so EO was obvious for me. It was like, I think somebody recommended me to EO and it was like, okay, yeah, there's people that have done business here. They know what they're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of just asking as many questions as I need to until I understand things. Um, and like, I think my account was probably blown away when, uh, you know, like I just pester them with like, okay, well, what's cash flow and what is accruals and how do I, you know, uh, how do I make sure I can read my P&L statement so I can understand it, right? And just to really, uh, just, because if you don't understand it like to that detail, then you're just relying on other people. Um, and like everything, you gotta be an advocate for yourself because only you know the details of your business. It gets really detail specific and tricky. Um, and so I think, yeah, EO really helped me find the right people to lean on and to ask questions about uh, different things, lots of people related things, lots of um, you know sales and marketing related things, all those things I had no idea about. You know, I'm a computer nerd who didn't go to high school in person and um, have, have really figured that stuff out 
to the extent that I have myself, right? So, yeah. Um, speaking to imposter syndrome, it's, you know, it's an increasingly important topic, I think, or at least um, widely talked about, much more widely talked about these days than it was before. Yeah. Um, and, and you're like, you know, we all experience it to some degree. How did you at a young age doing, you know, something that you were passionate about, but didn't know everything about How did you, how did you navigate that? Awesome. Um, was has community always been been important to you? And and you know the reason why I ask is because I know you obviously now, and and you know you're you're doing events and you're doing small business meetups and you're doing all these different things that that really just foster community and, and the deeper relationships as we discussed. Um, wh yeah, where did that stem from? Yeah, it's um, that stemmed kind of from a bit of branch from my stampede party that I started throwing in 2012. And then um, I would just do these like wine and cheese events. And I just saw like so much energy in those. And, and not only did it benefit me, but it also benefited everybody else in the room. They would get business from connections they made at them. And, and they're always like super casual and they're not salesy at all. Like, and that's on purpose. And it's all, it's always about quality people in the room. Like I handpick everybody that gets an invite. Um, and so, you know, you don't get the typical like greasy salespeople there or the, you know, the, there's lots of groups out there that have really bad reputations and they're, they're always just, they go there and they try to hand out 500 business cards and they go home and they have, you know, half a beer and, and they've done their job. Right. And, and that's not what we do uh, with my events. Cause that just doesn't get you relationships. Um, it's way too self-serving, right? You gotta, you gotta go there just to meet people and find connections and it'll take care of itself, right? Business, if, if, if I find out like you've got something that I need, like, oh, you were at that really cool event with all the other cool people that weren't harassing me uh, and I had a good experience meeting you and I'm gonna reach out to you, right? Um, business is people at the end of the day, right? It's uh, maybe not Amazon, but most other businesses like ours are. 
So why do you choose to invest your time now in, in mentorship and that sort of thing, kind of bringing up the next, the next group of entrepreneurs? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. When I mentor a group, um, like say I start off mentoring a group in EO Grow, for instance, in the beginning of the year, like as somebody who's been through business, you start to realize how much you actually know, right? You, you sort of, as you learn it, you forget. It just becomes nature, like second nature to you. And then, but when you go back to mentoring people and you're like, oh, like that's really basic. And I'm like, I just thought that was kind of like breathing, but nobody in this group knew that. You just see how much of a difference it makes, right? Um, you know, like even getting your financials figured out so you can actually understand them and use them as a tool to make decisions, like really simple, um, uh, but not so simple, right? If you don't know that. And, and so I, I look at that and I'm like, well, I was there, right? I was that person that had to figure it out and had so many people helping me out. And, um, and so it's a gift, right? It's a gift to be able to give back. And, and I don't know everything, so I have mentors too, right? And, uh, and you know, I call on them. So it's like, I'm paying back to them and I'm collecting from some other mentors. And so it, uh, yeah, it just gives me purpose. And um, yeah, I, I just, I can't find a reason why not to, right? Like, um, e even if I didn't have time, I figure out how to make the time because it's important, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you ever experience the opposite as well, where, you know, somebody that you are mentoring um, teaches you something or asks a question that, you know, may, might kind of spur you down a thought process or whatever? All the time, yeah, for sure. There's, there's just so much perspective and different ways of doing things out there. Um, and even like, you know, I've had instances where I like, I think one thing is important and then somebody's like, not really. Like, why is that important? I'm like, oh, you're right. And so you get like all these revelations and these like aha moments. Um, and those are super powerful, right? Because they kind of change how you think about things. Um, I think it's, uh, yeah, like as you teach things, you actually become clearer on them and you're able to simplify them better. Uh, and the simpler you can make things, the more you understand them and the easier they are to do. Um, and as a mentor, I think you get that all the time for sure. Yeah. Was your plan in building your business, was it always kind of to build to sell or did that just come about based on an offer or how, how did that come to be? Yeah, my plan wasn't to sell eventually. I didn't really have a goal to like, hey, I want to sell at year 10. We sold at year nine. So like I would have beat that goal anyway, but, um, but it was never a goal. My goal was to like just keep doing what we were doing as long as we we're having fun. Um, a competitor came, came along and I had known them prior. We'd met before cause they weren't in Calgary. Um, they were based out of Vancouver and I met them and we were just like, Hey, let's share ideas and, um, help each other out. Right. Uh, we didn't really step on each other's toes. So that was really good. Uh, and they came along and they're like, Hey, we, we need to get an office in Calgary. We, we either have to set one up or buy somebody. Um, we've gotten to know each other. It seems like really good culture fit and really, you know, we like to do things similarly. Um, and here's our vision. They came to me with this big vision and said, here's where we want to go. Um, and that sounded great for everybody. Um, the whole team, like everybody got shares in the deal. Um, whether or not they turned out how we were hoping was a different, different question that I won't get into. But, um, but that was the goal, right? Is to set everybody up to go on this 
bigger rocket ship and uh, and learn along the way. Um, and so it made sense. And uh, you know, you don't you don't know what you're going to get into. Like you hope for the best. And uh, um, but I think overall, um, we closed the deal in January 2020, and then COVID hit two months later. Um, and uh, it was a pretty cool journey for for quite a while. And we got, you know, they, they really looked up to how we did, did a lot of things. And so we got to teach some people a lot of cool ways of doing stuff. And, uh, and that's interesting being the smaller company, right? Like being like, oh, we actually did things, some things better than them, not everything, but you know, and then they learned from it and made the bigger business better. And like, that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, and, and yeah, it's, uh, but it, yeah, it was never a goal to sell. Um, the thing too is like, as a business owner now that I look back, I'm like, if you start a business today, you are going to exit that business eventually. <laughs> whether you die or whether you sell it or whether it goes bankrupt, like it, you're gonna exit it, right? So I think you need to have a bit of a plan, right? And it doesn't always have to be a sale. It doesn't, you don't have to, you don't have to keep it around till you die. Um, there's lots of different succession strategies too. Um, you can have your employees buy it. You can, you know, you can do lots of things, right? So I think um, just being realistic about life as as well. Um, and then the other thing too is when I was kind of at the end of my making the decision, I, I, I asked like, well, if this doesn't go well, like, what do I do? And it's like, well, I could do it again. Um, or I could help others do it again. Uh, I could... You know, it's it's not like it's impossible. Um, there's not a ton of barrier to entry if you know the business already. So it's kind of like, and I was pretty young at the time, right? And I'm only 38 now. Um, you know, I was 34 when I sold it. So it's like life is short and you got to go through the journey and you figure it out along the way. And there's always going to be opportunity on the other side if it doesn't work out. So, um, yeah. Did you continue to work for the company that bought? Yeah, yeah, I stayed on until um, November 22, so almost three years, um, which was, I think, a lot longer than most people do once they sell their company. I think they're they're usually like one or two, or you know, if they have handcuffs or whatever. Um, I didn't have to stay. They they were like, we if you don't want to be here, we don't want you here, and I was like, okay, that's fine. That's great great philosophy. That's how I, I look at it as well. And so, um, so I stayed on for almost three years. And uh, the other thing that happened, so two years after I was purchased um, by Fully Managed, a company uh, called TELUS bought Fully Managed uh, in 2022. Um, so two years after they came in and bought the whole company. Um, and, uh, and they, yeah, they didn't really get in there too much. Um, I didn't have much experience with the TELUS folks. Um, they all seemed fairly intelligent and, and great, but uh, a big corporation is not for me. Um, I make a really bad employee. So <laughs> I, I've realized that throughout the process is like I, I am not a good employee. Um, and I just value my flexibility. I value my, my ability to just do what I want to do. Um, and after you sell a company, that just gets more and more, you, more, more of that ability and you're not going to give it up. So. Um, so yeah, then I decided to leave. Awesome. Yeah. Um, 
it, it seems like a common theme we talk about on on this show quite a bit, which is you know uh, nobody's the right no, no no guests have been the right fit to be a great employee. <laughs> um, so. If you were to kind of um, identify some some attributes that have helped you along the way um, in both what you did and what you do now, uh, what would those be? Yeah, um, I just I think the like the number one thing is just the the ability to figure it out. Like no matter what it is, just get in there, roll your sleeves up, and figure it out. Um, and I think you need that as a business owner. I think that's not really inherent to most employees. There's some really good employees out there that can figure stuff out, but a lot of people just want to go, they want to do their job, you know, execute their standard operating procedures and go home. Um, they don't want to have to really think. Um, and so I think that's, that's really number one. And I think number two is like, in my industry specifically in IT services is that I'm kind of not your typical nerdy guy who can't talk to people. So I, I have, I don't know where I got it because I didn't really go to high school and I guess I just had to figure it out. But um, yeah, just building relationships, talking to people, being able to empathize with them, being able to really, you know, uh, get on the same page and, and care about their problems um, to the point where it creates a business for me, right? So, yeah. You talked about the importance of culture earlier and how you kind of build this culture without even knowing it. That was super positive. Um, did you ever experience, you know, a bad fit and how did you deal with it? Yeah, no, for sure we did. Um, and I think the culture thing too, it's kind of cool when we, when we eventually realized we had these values that we had been working with, um, I actually put them all together and I'm like, these are the values I think that I've kind of brought to the company and created the company on. And I put them on paper and I took them to the team and they were all like, yep, those, those make a lot of sense to us. And so there was no back and forth. It was all like very, uh, they're like, yeah, they're, they're like, yeah, that's just, it's, you just wrote it down. We're already doing it. Right. Um, and the cool thing, yeah, when it comes to having bad hires, you're, you're going to have them. Right. Um, and your first one, you're not going to fire fast enough, right? You're, it's just a fact of life, right? We become too emotional and, and we just don't know how to deal with it. Um, and the, you need a bit of a perspective change. Like it, it's kind of one of those things. Once you've done the hard thing the first time, it's like, okay, that makes sense. And you've seen the after result, right? Because the thing with a bad employee is they, they're not following your values. Um, they, they're probably making all your other employees not not as happy and they're not working as hard so they bring they bring the bar down um, and then the longer that you tolerate it if they if your employees bring it to you and you don't do anything about it um, you don't if maybe you put a plan but then if they don't you know if they don't step up still then you don't execute on getting rid of them like you're just showing your other employees that are really good that you're a bad leader right and that you can't solve the problem that everybody knows is there and so you're doing your employees a disservice by keeping them, right? And so that's eventually the perspective I got to is like, it's my job to take care of the team. And if somebody on the team isn't doing what they know they need to do, and you're giving them all the support you can um, to, to be able to do it, right? And helping them like, hey, what are you having family issues? How do we support you? Like just, you know, life happens. So really work through that. But if they've just decided like, yeah, I'm just going to do the absolute minimum and you don't do anything about it. 
then it's actually your fault as the leader. It's not that person's fault. They've decided, they're just waiting to get fired. Um, yeah, so I think that's the perspective I think a lot of people eventually get to. Um, and then you can make the fires quicker. You can say like, this isn't working for you. I remember one of them, I, I went, he, he was actually moved to Vancouver and we supported his move there. And then about a year later, we had to let him go because just he changed. And I went out there and I let him go and he's like, you know, can I ask why? And I said, you're not happy. It's obvious. And I, and I was like, can you tell me you are? And he's like, no. I'm like, there you go. So some people just need you to make the decision for them, right? They don't, they're, they're happy, they get paid every two weeks and they're good and they don't want to make the tough call and they don't want to have to go and look for the next thing. So... Uh, especially, I think that's a problem at a good company, right? Like they're at a good company. They know there's not going to be a better company um, out there. So if they make a tough decision, they're going to go to a lesser company. And so they might as well ride it, right? Um, and that's the other thing too, is like, you know, you, you always wish that people will make the decision, but we're all human, right? It's, uh, it's hard to, you know, know when to call it and, and move on, right? Um, yeah. So I, I think that's, that's been my experience with having to let people go and, and helping them move on to things that are probably better suited for them, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, helping them make that decision or, or, you know, identifying that at the same time, if not before, or, you know, when they might be too afraid to say it is, is super valuable. Um, would you say that your, your business started to kind of like take off when you had all the right people on the bus or was it, was it a slow burn? Was it gradual or, or exponential? And what were some of the key factors? Yeah, I'd say, yeah. So over the nine years, kind of like 2011 to 2020, we grew to 5 million a year in revenue. Um, and, and really it's, it's a snowball, right? Like it's the, the same as you get bigger, you grow quicker. Um, you know, you get more, more and more people hear about you, especially the first company, right? Like we didn't, nobody knew about us. We had to build our reputation. We had to build our referral network. We had to just meet more people. Um, and I think over, yeah, so, you know, going from zero to one million in revenue took a lot longer than going from one to two and two to three and three to four. Um, so it, it does definitely catch, catch steam. Um, and the other thing too is just cash flow, right? Like we were bootstrapped, we had no investors. Um, we just took our profit, reinvested it and grew. Um, and we had a lot of great clients and we had a lot of great luck um, just with timing of things, right? You know, we started right before a recession and we managed to do okay through that recession. Um, and I even said, so in 2012, we threw our first stampede party for Trellis. And I said, well, we grew 45% last year and everybody else was out of work. Um, so we should probably do this and we should probably get back to the community. Um, and I know just the charity that I wanna support. And so we did it. We raised five grand our first year, which was, which was pretty cool. And we were super proud of that. Um, I think we're over 135 total now um, raise, of money raised for them, which is pretty awesome. And, and yeah, I think you just, you, you learn as you go and you figure it out, so. Awesome. So we talked a little bit about attracting the right people internally. Um, how about uh, from a client perspective? Yeah, yeah, I think that this, this chat's almost like a little mini MBA, which I feel I've gotten through my business experience. Um, every, we got to the point, so probably around, 
year four, year five, we started to realize like, okay, not all clients are created equally, right? Um, and it's, you know, I think that'll always be true. Um, you've got clients that, like we had one client that we would send our invoice and he would pay it the next day. And, you know, I, I don't think I appreciated that, that enough at the time, um, but I did say thank you. And we, he got great service, like all of our clients, but, you know, that cash flow at an early stage of a business really helps. And so I've kind of kept that as a thing that I try to do. Um, and I, I'm a little, so if, if I'm working with a small business and they're a vendor of mine, I'll pay them really quickly. If I'm working with a big company, they just get the regular terms and I'll pay them as normal, right? Um, nothing wrong with that. They've got cash flow, right? So I try to like help out there because I know it is a big difference. Um, around year four or five, um, we started to say, okay, like some of these clients are people we don't actually want to work with. We, you know, they're, they're paying the same as everybody else. They're using a lot more of our time. So actually our other clients are subsidizing them, <laughs> if you think about it, right? Which is totally unfair. Um, and what we'd started to do is just grade our clients, A, B, C, D. And at probably about the same time, we started to do that with team members, right? Um, we had a lot of A's and we had a couple of B's um, and we had probably a C every now and then, right? Um, and, and you just put a plan in place, right? You say, okay, if you're a C now and you can't get to a B in six months, you're gone. Because we can find a B. There's lots of Bs, right? Um, and we'd rather pay a B more than you bring the bar down, right? Because then brings all of our A's down, right? Same with clients, right? So we would, every year we'd look at them. We'd say, do we have any Ds? If we do, we're firing them right away. We're not even thinking about it. Um, it's funny, I went to my team and I said, okay, I, I think we're gonna fire this client. Um, and I think they just didn't believe me because once I finally did it, they were so ecstatic. They were like over the moon. Um, and you would not be, uh, you would be so blown away by how much more productive they were. And we, we immediately, like we didn't even notice that on the revenue. Like they, like we found another client because of, you know, I don't know. I don't know how we found the next client to make up for that revenue we got rid of. But I think it was like five grand a month, but they were they were work they were costing us like they were a twenty thousand dollar a month client and we're just like this is not worth it we're losing money on this um and so but yeah the the team morale was like so impacted that was probably worth the, the loss of revenue right there um but obviously you know you need to get to a point where your financials are in a good spot you're managing your cash flow you know your numbers because if you don't have that you can't do that you can't make that call uh, and so we had all that clarity and, and we knew who our good clients were and we knew what we were going to tolerate. Um, and the funny thing with IT services is it's all built around trust, right? So we, you know, we knew this client didn't trust us for whatever reason, right? Um, we had clients that were like, well, you're more expensive than them. So like you're ripping us off. I'm like, no, like we're better. Like we are a service company. We're not, we're not selling you licensing we're keeping you safe and secure and when you call we pick up and we take care of your problems and you can get back to making money um so they just didn't see the value it wasn't a good alignment and um and yeah so we we started to fire i think we probably fired one or two clients a year um and every year we grew more and more right um i think a lot of people also like looking back at that we started to realize like let's track our cost of delivering our service to these clients 
and say, okay, well, you know, maybe we're making a little less margin, but they're amazing people. Cool. Um, maybe we're making negative margin and they're horrible people. Fire them, <laughs> right? Um, and so, and that's the other thing too, is like, I can't highlight it enough is that the clients you're working with impact your employees' quality of life. And so if you tolerate the client just for the revenue, but your employee's miserable, then that's a cultural thing, right? Are you willing to sacrifice that for your people? Uh, and for us, it was a no. I'd, I'd rather have happier people and have five grand less a month in revenue um, than have miserable people. So, yeah. Do you find that, that that narrative is changing, that that conversation between uh, the service provider and the clients, or that it did change over the years? Yeah, for sure. I think we really just got to the point where even the clients understood that we were good to work with and they liked working with us, and that if they wanted to keep that, then they had to be good to work with. Um, I even had a client once where they hired somebody and this person was like a bulldog and they were, I think, I, you know, I think they were just trying to like make a name and like, you know, do good, right? Um, and they were causing our people a lot of headache and they were being a really bold, like they were a bully almost. And so I went to their boss and I said, look, this is what's going on and it's not acceptable. Um, and he's like, oh my God, really? I'm sorry. And like, apologize, apologize. I'm like, I don't want to get them in trouble, but this can't continue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, we try our best and you know that we always have. Um, but if this person is trying to make a name for themselves, like it's not going to be on us. Right. Um, and immediately that person was our best friend because they had a talk and they're like, you know, don't worry, these people are good. Um, and, and they shifted their perspective and then we became like their best friend and we took care of everything they needed and we made them look good regardless. Right. They didn't need to like hammer us and try to get us to lower our price and like, you know, all the things you would expect. Right. So, yeah. How do you foster that transparency, that like open communication in your team? Because it sounded like in that example that, you know, the the other boss that you went to talk to didn't know that this was going on, whereas you would have heard about it from your team. Yeah, for sure. I think my team, obviously, we were already very open and they knew I cared about things. Um, the one key to making that happen was every time my team brought me something, I made sure to deal with it, right? So if they bring you a problem and, and it's like, okay, that's a client-related issue or it's a, you know, an, an internal, like maybe there's a little staff, you know, they're, they're arguing about something. Um, or, or even just like, hey, you know, I need to make a little bit more money because I got a kid on the way. Um, you you got to deal with it because if you don't deal with it, then they'll stop bringing you things, right? And then you've lost them, right? You've lost the trust. Um, and what's your job as leaders to deal with things, help move, remove roadblocks so they can just execute their job and not have to worry about those things, right? And so when they brought this to me, uh, I was like, okay, I got to deal with this, right? And then I took it to that person's boss uh, at our client and, and I, in a really like non-confrontational way, like, you know, I care about you guys. You know that we, we've always loved working with you. You know, we haven't changed anything. Uh, we, we still want to work with you. I know this person's new. I know that they're probably, you know, not used to working with a good IT provider maybe in the past. Um, but here's what's going on and, you know, we're not going to tolerate it. 
but I think if you just chat with them, it'll be fine. And they did, and, and it was all good. And so it's just willing to have that vulnerable conversation because a lot of people would be worried to do that. And I know why, because they think the client would push back and say, well, no. But I came from, my intention was good, right? And I think they knew that. I came from a good place. I wasn't trying to get them in trouble. I was trying to keep the relationship good and set them up for success even, right? Um, and have some understanding of like, you know, we go into environments all the time where they've only had bad IT providers. That's the standard out there. Um, and so, you know, that they've had to deal with them that way, right? Uh, and so just un having that understanding that, you know, they're not used to working with good people and, and they're used to having to be a bully, right? Um, and then I, I say like in IT, we're a bit of like, we're kind of psychologists, right? We walk people off the ledge like, no, your tech is going to be okay. Don't worry. Like, um, you know, just go get a coffee, come back. We'll, we'll take care of it. And so we actually, you know, there is a lot of stress and anxiety around technology. I find that if, you know, people just, they, they can't do their job. So, you know, that's like really fundamental to them, right? They need to, they, they don't want to look like they didn't do their work because the technology wasn't working because then now they look bad, not right. So it's really, um, it's really deep for people. So, and we, we need to realize that. So do you find education was a big piece then in, in, you know, if everybody was, all your clients were, had all these bad experiences and maybe were hesitant to do business or, you know? Yeah. I think back to the, uh, you know, once we got in there and we started working with them, it's really, uh, doing what we say we're going to do, um, caring about their business as if it was our own, because uh, they they feel that right, um, and then doing the, doing what's right, you know. Um, we would go in and like we'd we'd realize like just out of nowhere, oh this thing is broken, um, and we know that they just spent a bunch of money on that thing, and we would go to them and be like, hey, we're going to take care of this. Uh, it's going to cost us money, but taken care of and you don't have to worry about it uh, and boom instant trust right and again long term right even if we didn't if we took all of our revenue for the first month and didn't make any money on it because we did the right thing that was a win in my books awesome so yeah so throughout all your endeavors from, you know, uh, your first business to now everything that you're doing and everything in between, where does your, where does your fulfillment come from? Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, my fulfillment comes from just waking up and knowing that I made a difference in another person, another business, in the community. I think that's as cliche as it is, like I, I, can, I can very confidently say that's true. Um, and just keep making sure I can say that's true. That's kind of, uh, that's what drives me. Yeah. Would that, is it safe to say that's the definition of success for you as well then? For sure. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, success has nothing to do with monetary anything, right? You can, you know, you're not going to take that to the grave with you. Um, you know, when you're in the old folks home at 85, you're not going to be able to look back on those memories and, and think about that, but you'll be able to be like, I through a hell of a stampede party for a lot of years and raised a ton of money and made a lot of impact. Um, and, and yeah, I couldn't have bought that. Right. So awesome. Um, 
obviously you've, you've discussed being a big planner, kind of having, you know, your, your, or at least thinking, thinking about the future quite heavily. Uh, so you mentioned a couple of the things that you're doing right now, but what, what can, what, what's next? Yeah. So really, uh, digging into my coaching for other MSPs, other service providers. Um, so that's going to be a big thing for 24 for me. Um, yeah, lots of digital transformation uh, consulting. Um, so that's that's going to be uh, a lot of my focus. Uh, we're already planning the next Stampede Party for July. Um, it's going to be bigger and better than ever. Um, I think our goal this year is to raise at least 50k. So we're gonna we're gonna up it from 35. You know that momentum, get it get it built. Um, so that's going to be uh, that's going to be something to look forward to. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I've, I've had a lot of time off to like really connect the dots and ask myself like, why do I want to do these things? Um, and I've got pretty good answers for all of them. Um, the only like gray areas, the MSP coaching, cause I've never done that before. Right. I've, I've, I've done the work, um, but I haven't uh, done the coaching before, but I think I've got a lot to give there. And I think I can, you know, with, even with just basics that I that I learned, you know, who knows how. Um, I think there can be a lot of impact made in, in that space um, and just help other businesses, right? Like if they're running a $5 million business right now and we can tweak a couple little things and they can really hone in on whether it's relationships or their team, like that's gonna make a big impact, right? And set them up for success and, um, you know, if. A, coaching with me does that then that's great awesome yeah it sounds like you know you've expressed uh and it's 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 apparent that um relationships is the foundation of what you do and really caring and helping those people uh everyone around you or you know is 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 foundational to what you do and i think you know it just so happens that half the time you do that through tech right yeah. so it's super super awesome so continuing to foster yeah that. for sure and i think like that's the cool thing about tech is it like ties everything together, right? We're, we're using it all the time. Um, and it needs to be a tool, right? To make our lives easier. At the end of the day, like what's the utopian world? Like tech is doing everything and we're sitting on a beach or doing art or, you know, doing what we really love to do. Like if you, if you had a hundred million dollars, what would you do? Well, if tech can help you do that, then let's do that, right? Let's let the computers do the work, so. Totally. Is that uh, just out of curiosity, you know, since you're so heavily involved in tech, what, what are your thoughts on AI? Yeah, I think AI is, again, it's just another tool, right? We need, we need to figure out a lot of the regulation and a lot of like the ethical and moral things that come with it uh, and really make sure it's done safely. But I think at the end of the day, if we can take a lot of our work that we don't want to be doing, the manual things and automating things um, and just give that to AI to take care of. Uh, we can focus on more important things. There's a shortage of, of skilled workers, right? So it's not like we're gonna be replacing jobs for quite a while, right? Um, I think the other thing too that I've really found AI useful for is even idea generating. Like my brain, because I'm a human, is lazy. Like it doesn't want to come up with ideas. So, and, and it doesn't, you know, I've got this box and I've got limited focus, right? Like I've got all these, these um, you know, amazing traits of a human. And I think AI can help us there, right? Like I went, I went in there like, give me 20 ideas for this thing. And it's like, boom, 20. I'm like, give me a hundred more, like, boom, done. Like it's, 
it's really cool to help our brains do what they're good at, right? Because I can go through those ideas and be like, oh, that one feels good. I, that one really resonates with me. Um, that one's a little bit different, not quite as good. And so I think that's really where I see it coming into play is um, just helping us move quicker. Um, you know, the, the faster you can go from idea to product, the better, obviously. Um, and, and you can iterate, like that's just technology. It's just iterating and finding the better thing. Um, and then we end up with a better solution, right? So I think, yeah, there's lots of things to figure out with AI for sure. Um, uh, and I hope we do that fairly quickly. Um, but yeah, I think it's a pretty cool tool that, and, and the other cool thing is so accessible, right? Like it's not like, you know, you need $20 a month to have full blown chat GPT-4, right? And, and there's lots of other free ones out there, right? But it's not gonna create these big gaps of, you know, if, if people are, you know, living in the middle of India or, or like they'll still have access to it, right? So I think it'll actually close the gap and help bring like more impoverished people up, uh, you know, in, in the classes of society, right? And really create opportunities for them. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's, that's the thing too, is there's been a lot of technology inequality um, and even like Starlink, right? We're getting internet in places that you couldn't have gotten it before. And now it's just, just get the satellite and you've got great internet and you can, you can run with it. So. Do you feel like there's any misinterpretation that's kind of changing the landscape and kind of making people afraid about AI or, or maybe there's a lack of education as far as it's concerned because there seems to be like a lot of people worried about kind of what's coming and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of like <laughs> popular science, like, you know, videos, movies, that sort of thing. Um, a lot of like doomsday things and, and like rightfully so, like we don't know it's really undiscovered territory, right? So, um, you know, how do we make sure it's controlled? How do we communicate that we're doing the right things? Um, you know, how do we make sure it doesn't get weaponized? Um, you know, just like the internet was the, you know, the next best thing since sliced bread and it's been weaponized and still continues to be weaponized. Uh, and there's bad sides of it, right? So I think the, the thing about AI is, you know, there's the worry is there and it's, um, it's totally legitimate. Um, but yeah, how do we navigate that, right? As, as a society and as a global, because it affects everybody in the world. I think that's the big question everybody has. Um, and governments are really not uh, suited to figure that out for us. I think governments are, you know, they don't even, like, people in government don't even know what the internet is, like how, like for the most part, like um, they're, you know, like it's, they're just, there isn't the skill set in place in the right places to actually navigate these things, um, which is gonna be interesting. Um, and yeah, so I think we need to bring, the government needs to like be like, we don't know what we're doing, bring in experts. Um, you know, people like Sam Altman or like from OpenAI are, are saying like, hey, this is what we should do. I'm the expert, like um, we should probably listen to those people. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's just, we're gonna have to figure it out. Um, I just hope we have the right safeguards in place. Um, I hope we, you know, I hope we get the correct information, uh, not 
you know, not get bombarded by what other what people want us to see because it suits them, right? Misinformation. Sometimes there's definitely a risk that there, there could be some there. Um, you know, and I, I hope it's just not divisive, right? I think it, it should bring us together. It should be a tool that we can use to further humanity, um, not the opposite. Um, but I think that's, yeah, a lot of people are worried about that. So uh, I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm not that smart. Uh, but I think, again, I hope, uh, I just hope that we figure out how to use it as a tool and how to use it to make our lives better and, um, and raise everybody up. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Really appreciate your time today, Sean. That's awesome. Is there, is there anything else that you'd like to plug or mention that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Yeah, you know, I don't, uh, I don't have too much. I think, um, you know, follow me on LinkedIn if you're not already. Um, you know, I look forward to kind of sharing my journey next year and, and really uh, building more community and, you know, helping people out. Um, if there's anything I can do to help anybody, feel free to reach out. I, I don't ignore my DMs. Uh, I'll either get back to you with a no or, or yeah, I can help you, no problem. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's really, I think entrepreneurship is, is really one of those things that we just need to lean on each other more and not be afraid to, because um, it's tough. Uh, there's, there's a lot of great days and there's a, a lot more bad days. Um, and I think uh, if, you're, if you're in the re arena, then, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know, and, and mental health for sure, but even just easy, basic stuff, right? If, if you don't know, and if you're, if you're unsure of something, just ask, right? Because you can't let all those little things that you're unsure of, like hold your business back, because um, then you're not going to get to move ahead. And then that, that's just going to compound and create bigger problems for you. So, so reach out and, uh, and yeah, you'll, you'll find somebody to help out. And if they can't, hopefully they know somebody who can. So, so let's just do more of that. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. It's 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 so apparent in everything that you do and and the the community that you foster and everything that's going on and even even Calgary as a landscape as a business landscape right now is kind of really supportive. So yeah, I appreciate that and we'll put we'll put your LinkedIn on screen and awesome. make sure everybody can reach out. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks.